Hello and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. Today is December 5th and we have a Final Four in college football. Controversy-free, universally agreed upon Final Four. Yeah, that's it. We got it. We got it right the first time. Good job, committee. Good job, Boo. He nailed it. Love it. Yeah, so a little bit of controversy there. We've got Alabama sneaking in as the four spot over undefeated 13-0 major conference champion Florida State. And people got takes on both sides. What's your take? My take is that, first of all, my take is that there are too many takes. There are a lot of takes. I'm so tired of getting online and seeing, first of all, I'm tired of seeing Danny Cannell complain. I'll just be honest. So the particular brand of take or joke or whatever this is, coping, that I am just going to say we need to get rid of is people who are in reference to other things like the NFL. Like a quarterback gets hurt and they're like, oh, well, guess they don't have to play the rest of their games now. They don't matter Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, that's stupid. Okay. You're not contributing anything with that. So that's my first thing. Too many takes, too many bad takes. My other thing is, look, this is a year in which we we knew we had a we had a decent feeling going into this. We talked about this some last week. There was a chance somebody was going to get screwed. Somebody that we felt could be playoff worthy was going to get screwed out of this because it's a four team field, and we've been spoiled the last couple of years with the fact that there really hasn't been a ton of controversy. They've been pretty easy selections over the last couple of years. I mean, not perfect, but. There hasn't been something quite like this. This year, you easily have six teams that you can make an argument are deserving. And I understand that Florida State probably has the biggest argument, having gone undefeated, having won a conference championship. Absolutely, it sucks that they're not in. But I also think that like the Kirby Smarts of the world have... A good point. Now, he was making the point about his team, which didn't make it, but you look at Alabama and Georgia, and it's hard for me to say that those are not two of the four best teams in the country. Like, I want Georgia in, too. I I think we're glossing over that really quickly, that Georgia was undeniably the best team in the country all year. They were number one. Nobody ever moved them from that, like, in terms of their actual ranking. I'm sure there there were individual voters and stuff like that committee members i'm sure in the college football playoff who maybe had their doubts but georgia held that number one spot all year and they lose one game to a team that the committee says is the fourth best team in the country and they just completely fall out i think there's something there to to be said that like and this question came up a few times if you're talking to, to michigan michigan's number one if you go to michigan and say hey would you rather play florida state or georgia they're they'd rather play florida state which tells me that georgia you know, at least the perception is that they're significantly better. I want to I want to linger on that for a second, though, because yeah. that is something that on the show that they showed on ESPN, one of the reasons rationales given was that they had a bunch of very smart coaches in the room, mm-hmm. Jim Grobe in there talking things out, pouring over the numbers, and that one of the ideas for the committee was talking to these coaches and saying, which of these teams would you least like to play from my perspective that is not a valid reason or criteria 
to just have coaches watch one set of games and then say like, Hey, which one of these teams would you rather play? Like, that's not what this should be. Like if it's just that as a beauty contest, then let's just have the coaches poll and then go from there. We don't need the rest. I don't think that's a, that's a beauty contest. And I, I think to me, that's just another way to frame a question that is already subjective in nature, which is who are who's the best team. Right. And and I mean, like I saw, <laughs> and we were kind of laughing about it, but like, this is how, this is what Booger McFarlane was pushing back against, which you, you did just alarmingly sound like him. Part of this is they're figuring out the best teams and that, that there's a ton of subjectivity there. But I think the question of who would you rather play is just another way to frame that subjectivity. It's just another way to think about what team do you think is better? Like we could phrase that in all sorts of different ways. You could turn that question into what are you more impressed by? Alabama's win over Georgia or Florida State's win over Louisville with a third string quarterback? What team like to me that's a that's a very similar question because you're looking at an Alabama team that just beat the unquestioned number one team from the entire regular season in Georgia in the SEC championship game and with that win is putting you in a position where you're saying like damn that's a team I don't really want to play aka that's a really good team aka that's one of the four best teams in the country right no matter how you frame it I think ultimately you're asking and answering the same question right yeah, I would just say last year people would have said the same thing about TCU. Like TCU did get in, but if you were saying which of these four teams would you most like to play in the playoff, people would have said TCU and they beat Michigan. Like this is why you have to actually play the games here and yes, and then what would, happened? Well, yeah, I mean, but still like everybody <laughs> yeah, thought yeah, yeah. that it was just going to be a Michigan Georgia or Michigan Ohio State yep. final and it's not how things turn out. Like it's amazing to me how confident every commentator is about this, about what the results would be. Everyone knows that going into a game against Michigan, Florida State with its second string quarterback, who would be ready for this, mm-hmm. is just absolutely going to get blown out. Everybody knows this, despite the fact that Florida State's defense is one of the better defenses in the country. They've been beating teams all year. And Michigan had trouble scoring any kind of offense against Iowa a team that is considerably worse than Louisville, at least in terms of rankings. But mm-hmm. yet, everybody is worried about some massacre that's going to happen, and you can't have that. So we're going to put in Alabama, a team that now many people think is better than Michigan. So like, all of this is just suggesting that we should just play the games, and it's always been a stupid dichotomy to have a four-team playoff. It's stupid. With five major conferences, it's insane that they framed it that way. Somebody was always going to be angry about it, and this year it's Florida State, and they probably have the right to be the most angry of most of the teams that have been left out of this thing, but I don't know. Like, If ever there was a year where you need at least eight teams in a playoff, or 12 like we're getting next year, this is it. Like, You can't tell me, like, yes, Florida State quarterback situation is troubling, but I don't know. This is, you could say the same thing about Ohio State when they had to go to Cardell Jones in the playoff and they went, yeah. you know, went won the whole thing. So like I I don't know. I just I think a lot of the arguments I agree with you that the takes that we're seeing on this have been over the top. I didn't think between COVID and politics mm-hmm. and international politics that we could get more insane takes out there, but 
seems like we're nearing that level in terms of what people are saying about the playoff. And I find myself in a really tough position of being aligned with Danny Cannell and Booger McFarlane, two people who I think are just <laughs> not my favorite people in the world and don't value their college football opinions most of the time. But I think Florida State got screwed. I think it's ridiculous and upsetting. And I was angry about it all day Sunday. I don't disagree that Florida State got screwed. I guess my biggest point is somebody was going to get screwed no matter what. Right. So why not Florida State? Let's just. Well, no, I mean, it's just every year. (laughs) But why not anybody? Right. So like right now we all feel sorry for Florida State. and, And I definitely do. I mean, it broke my heart to see Jordan Travis tweet out that like, you know, he's sorry that he broke his leg because he feels like he's sorry he didn't break it earlier in the season because yeah, yeah, yeah. then it would have given what like that that's real oh, sad. it was it was absolutely heartbreaking to see and i'm sure he's feeling that and i'm sure he's feeling an immense amount of guilt and that's that's incredibly difficult but if we play through other scenarios so let's say they put florida state in and they leave alabama out now we're going to be sitting there saying well hold on because that Alabama team has looked real good. And I yes, like that the Auburn game came down to it, but we've talked about it on this show. Rivalry game results are like it's hard to put a lot of weight into how that happens sometimes. But it's also like, again, that's an Alabama team that just went down and beat the team that all year we were all saying this is the best team in the country. This is a team that had won twenty nine games in a row that Alabama just went in and beat. So We'd feel bad about leaving them out. And if you don't leave them out, if you put them in and leave Texas out, well, now you're going to look at the head-to-head result where Texas went into Tuscaloosa earlier in the season and beat Alabama. And you're going to feel bad about leaving them out. And so, look, I think leaving Florida State out of the playoff, it might be the most egregious of those scenarios. That being said, right, like, and, and I feel bad. I feel like we have to issue a little bit of mea culpa here because, like, Last week, we were talking about all these Florida State fans who were already feeling aggrieved for being left out as an undefeated. And we were like, no, come on, you'll be fine. And here we are, right? So they were right. I don't know. I still think they shouldn't have played victim quite yet. And I can't remember if I heard this from you. I know I heard it from someone else. But this idea that like the committee should be able to, every year, they're not only announcing the field, but announcing how big the field is. And being able to to look at it and say, look, this year, six teams. Give two teams a bye. Michigan and Washington. Those are the only unquestioned for sure they were in. And give those two teams a bye and play a six-team playoff. Or maybe next year there's eight that look really good. Like, let's make an eight-team playoff. And let, let the field evolve. I know that's, like, super messy and there's not really a good logistical way to do it. And I think I heard it from you. But like, well, they do that I with like, the Heisman, kind of, right? Like they choose yeah, how many people different. are going to be invited. I know, but it's like you know, it's it's similar. Like, hey, four people got an invite this year. You could yeah. do that with. It would football. just be the logistics of figuring out how you're going to play those games without mm-hmm. knowing beforehand how many games there's going to be. Um, you know, but one thing, I mean, I think like, look, it it sucks, and and I, I might feel differently if it were my team. Right, I'm sure I'd be apoplectic if this were NC State. Like, I'd be burning the whole thing down. But I think that there's been, I mean, the the most comparable thing I can think of for myself as a fan was the College World Series a couple years ago, where we had to forfeit because of some positive COVID tests and slightly different scenario, but a decision that the NCAA made in the middle of the night, you know, and that was that was tough where you lose a shot at something 
you know, that felt like maybe there was a better way to do to go about things. I do think like the the headline I saw today, the state of Florida has set aside a million dollars in its state budget to file a lawsuit on behalf of Florida State here. I mean, come on, like that. You got senators launch wanting to launch investigations. It's a little bit crazy to me. It's a game. And look, we're going to get one hell of an Orange Bowl. Like Florida State and Georgia in the Orange Bowl feels like a great game. And like, I guess the old school part of me says put up or shut up. And like, look, if you're Florida State, you got one job in front of you. That's show up at the Orange Bowl and beat the hell out of Georgia. And if you can do that, then you can keep talking. And, and I know that that only means so much. But I mean, if you could get blown out by Georgia, then the rest of us are going to look at it and say, yeah, see, the committee was right. And I think that actually has some validity to it. It's not perfect. But I think if that's what happens, then we can look at that and understand, like, then, then we're going to be saying, damn, this Georgia team, right, if they go down there and beat Florida State in the Orange Bowl by 50 points, are we going to start feeling bad for them? Because I still think they have a very legitimate gripe here. I, I don't love that they lose one game and we're just like, oh, well, forget that whole thing. Forget the whole season well, for them. I mean, you could say the same thing again. I hate being in a position to defend the worst people that there are, but <laughs> you could say the same thing about Ohio State. Their one loss after going 11 and 0 was against now the number 1 team in the committee on the yeah. road by 6 points when they had the ball at the very end of the game with a chance to win the game and yeah. had an interception cuz the quarterback got hit. So and they weren't even in the conversation. Nobody feels bad for Ohio State because they didn't make the championship game. Set aside the fact that if their conference didn't have divisions, they would have been in the championship game and Absolutely. had a repeat op- opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, it, it the whole thing sucks. I mean, and to I, be clear, I, I think it that, should be in the conversation. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I just one one thing I've seen a lot of online is people talking about suddenly with this kind of stuff people suddenly become really interested in TV ratings, which is a thing I just don't understand. Like, I don't care about TV ratings. I like watching football. I don't care if I'm the only one watching it or, you know, like we have to think of the corporate sponsorships and how they're going to be happy. But everyone has been saying like, hey, man, you you mean to tell me you're less excited about a Michigan-Alabama game than you would be at a Michigan-Florida State game? And yes, I am. I'm an ACC fan. We have an ACC podcast. I think Alabama's fun. My family's from Alabama. I watch a lot of Alabama football. I wanted Florida to stay in that game. It will make the Final Four less fun for me. I'm sure I will still watch it. but And I'm sure it will be more watched than anything else. But like, I don't care why people care about that. Like, I, I understand why ESPN cares about it because they've spent a billion dollars on this. But Beyond that, like I think it is better if the best teams have the opportunity, regardless of who they are. And I know that's not how the world works and whatever, but like that's just I'm tired of reading people talking about how great it is and how watchable it will be. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I I can see both sides of that because I look, I would have loved, I guess, for the good of the conference. I I understand wanting Florida State in there and and have feeling that sort of like, I mean, honestly, like. If it were Florida State at full strength, I would have no qualms about it. We wouldn't even be having this conversation because they would be in, you know. But I mean, I don't know. I to me, like it's funny because you say that and you say like, oh, wouldn't you rather see Michigan and Alabama? My answer kind of is yes. I actually would rather see Michigan and Alabama than Michigan Florida State. I think to me that does feel like a better game, and it, I I do 
I agree that I think Alabama is better than Florida State. I, I do. I, I, I've seen – I think Alabama and Georgia both are probably better than Florida State as currently constructed with, with Tate Rodemaker and a quarterback. Like, with Jordan Travis, I don't know. I think there's a, more of a conversation to have there. And, you know, that that is their job. And, and so, look, I, I think there's room in this for some – I know this doesn't go well in, in sport conversations or hardly any conversations, but I think there's room for some nuance here. Right. I think yeah. there's room. Yes or no. It can be both true that Florida State got screwed and also that Alabama has a, a rightful place in this playoff. Right. And like is deserving of a place in this playoff. And I, I think where the problem is, is that this year in particular, it should be an 18 playoff probably. Right. I, I, I look at it and see a clear eight teams with the additions of with the current four then you throw in florida state georgia ohio state and oregon those are the eight teams i would want to see and those are the eight teams that i think make the most sense beyond that you get i mean you get some decent teams so if if, if this were one of the current or the what will happen next year the 12 team playoff then you're gonna have teams like penn state missouri fine i think maybe there's some competitive games there unfortunately with the system as the way it's going to be liberty would be in there undefeated we, we let them play with, with a yeah 12 5 a liberty georgia game i'd watch that yeah <laughs> I, I would do I, yeah and there's one other team in there that would that would be in there that i i'm forgetting um old miss i think oh yeah it would be old miss so i mean sure i'd watch the hell out of the whole thing and i think it's a great idea and i think it opens up opportunities for some other teams you know where where like you kidding me? A chance for Mizzou to have a shot at a national championship? I mean, you never know, right? This starts to feel like NCAA basketball where you get into the tournament and it's like, well, who knows what could happen? We could string together a few good games. The way Texas is playing right now, they've been good all year. But like, if you can get hot like that, like they are, then who knows? Who knows what's happened the rest of the year? If you can just keep yourself relevant, right? If Penn State got in and magically found an offense for a few games, some crazy stuff could happen so yeah i mean i think the 12 team playoff can't come soon enough i think you, eventually we'll get to a place where we're arguing that 12 teams isn't enough so you know it's it's gonna i think people i've seen a lot of discourse about like well we're gonna miss this right like this sucks but also we're not gonna be able to have these conversations first no, of all we don't I need to have conversations it. we won't miss this <laughs> it's okay it's okay to have the right thing happen and not just have an outrage machine it's okay but we're gonna if, have outrage we're gonna have outrage over the 10th and 11th and 12th spot like it's still gonna it'll be, be there. different than this though like it'll Maybe. be it'll be if like, anything but but there's gonna be more subjectivity because now like you have the conference champions in their spots when you get into those like 9 10 11 spots those are just teams that the committee has ranked so now you're just looking at it and you're saying like if I'm like as an NC State fan with a team that's surging and is now like 18th in the college football playoff, do I really think that Ole Miss and Missouri are that much better than NC State? Not really. So now I could be mad. Perfect. That's that's <laughs> a, that's a double win for me. That's Absolutely. perfect. <laughs> uh my one thing and then we can move on. I will just say that if there is a silver lining to this, it is the misery of Auburn fans who had Alabama. People, people forget. Let me let me walk you back in history here. A short week ago, 
Alabama had to convert on a fourth and goal from the 31-yard line to avoid losing to Auburn, a team that is 6-6. Six and six. They and they just lost to New Mexico State. And just lost to New Mexico State. The team Alabama that you just can't keep out of the playoff because yeah. of how great they are needed a miracle, basically, to win that game. And now Auburn fans, in addition to having lost that game, now have to sit with the knowledge that that loss allowed Alabama to be in the spot in the playoff. Brutal for that. That makes you want to just pull for Alabama to win it all. Yeah. I mean, I have an Alabama shirt, so I've got multiple Alabama shirts. They, I'm ready to go. I'm not sure I would have admitted that, but... Hey, man. I told you, half my family's from there. Yeah. That's their, that's their thing. So, um, bowl games. There are a lot of bowl games. Sure Some of them are. are very exciting. Some of them are kind of weird. Some of them are new to me that I was looking at the list of bowl games today and was like, huh, I didn't know that was a bowl game. For example... <laughs> Did you know that there's something called the famous toastery bowl? Yeah, I, I did actually. I did not know that until looking at this list. The 68 Ventures Bowl. Didn't know about that. What happened nope. to the Poland Weed Eater Bowl? We got to bring that back. <laughs> Are there it, any bowl I'm, games that you're actually excited about or like that stand out to you that you're, aside from NC State, obviously, playing say, I mean, in the Pop Tarts Bowl just because like, you want to see them go to town on a mascot? I'm so excited for that. Like, I I need that to happen. Like, that's my primary motivation for wanting them to win. It's not even my fandom. It's just, like, the idea of Dave Doran taking a bite out of a giant Pop-Tart, smoking a cigar, chasing it with some bourbon. That that feels like the perfect uh, situation. When you say no, chasing mean... it with some bourbon, do you mean chasing the mascot with some <laughs> bourbon? Like literally as he runs for his life and safety? It's possible. Or... It's possible. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like looking through some of the bowl matchups, I mean, there's a lot of ones that, you know, I feel like every year there's ones that pop up that you don't anticipate being super great. They go, I think the Duke's Mayo Bowl uh, West Virginia and North Carolina, I think that'll be a fun game. I think there's potential for a lot of points there. Could be pretty cool. The Alamo Bowl, Oklahoma and Arizona. That feels like a sneaky good game. That that was one that stood out for me. But this is also a time where it now connects to the transfer portal. Where like yeah. seemingly 50 quarterbacks are now in the transfer portal. And several from really big teams. Kyle McCord, obviously Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. A lot of kids are going to be getting their first career start in a bowl game, I feel like. Except maybe with like a new coach that they've never had to listen yeah. to before. Well, but if it's Oklahoma, like in that situation, so if Dylan Gabriel isn't going to play in that game because he's in the transfer portal, that just means it's the start of the Jackson Arnold era. Highly touted quarterback recruit. And so, so there's still a level of excitement there that I think could be a lot of fun. So, I mean... I, and on that note, I was going to say the Sun Bowl. You got Notre Dame and Oregon State. You know the, but Oregon State. Who knows who's going to play quarterback? Who's, who's they, they have, have to two have a contest. The they like, may have to have a fan contest to see who can play in that. Because yeah, they, both of their quarterbacks are gone. So I mean, some of those you're right are not looking as good as they as they did. But I think there's still some. I mean, like I said, that Orange Bowl matchup with Florida State and Georgia, I think could be a lot of fun. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like in the Fiesta Bowl, like I just can't see Liberty competing with Oregon. But like maybe that's a classic, like 
old school. I think that is uh, an old school whooping. <laughs> yeah, I, I think most likely. So I don't know. There's honestly there weren't a lot that jumped out to me in terms of specific matchups. But I, you know, I'm sure because what happens every bowl season, right? Is I end up finding myself obsessively watching the quick lane bowl or the famous Idaho potato bowl or something like that. I'm like, this, you know, you get some crazy games where coaches pull out all the stops and, and all that. But I do wish we kind of touched on this. I wish the transfer portal opened up after bowls. Like let, let yep. these, yep. I don't know these kids. It just, I'm pro transfer portal generally speaking, but I just hate that. Like we're going to miss out on some of these guys playing in these games. Yeah, that's the thing is everybody talks about how the bowl games are supposed to be a reward for kids. But as we know, they really are just a money grab for sponsorship. And, you know, there is a history to them, but obviously it is for coaches an opportunity to play a lot of people and continue to get practice time. But it's also, you know, a big monetary deal. But it is it is weird to have so many people who are going to be opting out uh, you know coaches too like JMU I I think I saw online earlier today that with Kirk Sidnetti heading to Indiana they only have like four coaches on the staff that are available to yeah. coach this game like how is that even like what are you going to do about that like that's just a weird situation there so JMU who's been playing great all year and perilously close to being undefeated like they get into a bowl that's exciting for them but like what are they what are they gonna do i don't know i don't know how you prepare in that situation it seems like there are a lot of games that are like that where you're going to be putting in kids that are not between the transfer portal coaches leaving injuries at the end of the year it just ends up being kind of a mess which makes it hard to predict what's going to happen if we're going to say the transfer portal can't open till a little bit later which i believe in i think we also have to this is something the NFL has right. So in the NFL, if you fire your coach, you cannot interview any coach with a sitting position until after conference championship games, I believe it is. So you got to go through the whole season, including postseason stuff being done before you have a chance to even talk to them. Meanwhile, these other teams in college you could fire your coach, have conversations while the season's going on. I mean, like we talked, I think last week about the Oregon State coach. He had barely walked off the field before he took the Michigan State job. So you know those conversations were ongoing, and I feel like it's unfair to kids. Like if you're in the JMU situation, there's plenty of kids at a school like JMU. This bowl game's a big deal for them. It's a really big deal to have a chance to play on that kind of stage, especially with all the attention that program has gotten this year. And now they're going to be underprepared and, you know, like they're not put in a great position to succeed because Kurt Signetti was allowed to go ahead and get his and, and move on. Right. And I just don't love that. I think if we just change the system and I, I'm not saying well, I don't want to put him or any coach at a, comp- at a competitive disadvantage in terms of getting jobs, which is why I think you have to change the system so that none of them, this, this whole cycle cannot start until the season is really done because and i understand how that affects recruiting and stuff we just got to get over like i know this will never happen it's a pipe dream but i just feel like it ultimately is unfair to kids that their coaches are just up and leaving them and taking their whole staff with them while they're still prepping for a bowl game yep well that's why 
NCA president Charlie Baker has a proposal. Yeah, man. That is going to fix all of this. It's going to fix NIL. It's going to fix the competitive disadvantages that we have. He published a letter to member schools of the NCAA suggesting that they increase benefits to student athletes and work on creating a trust for athletes that would kind of go along with uh, NIL opportunities, basically providing to student athletes an opportunity to be employees of the university and without actually being employees and not being able to unionize and having control over their work environment and all that other stuff. But a trust that would kind of allow schools to opt in if they wanted to be a part of that more competitive situation or opt out if they didn't want to be a part of it. What are your initial thoughts? I mean, I think that it's, if I have to just boil it down, I think it's a good idea. I think it it is a step, right? And I think it's good to acknowledge that there are some serious competitive challenges in terms of having schools that have more resources available to them than others. You know, and I think we understand that's not a level playing field as as it currently stands. When you just look at NIL and kind of the free-for-all market that that seems to be at this point. And I think if you're able to create a more organized system and sort of a stratification here at having a new subdivision where those richest athletic departments are operating differently, and my understanding is still competing with the rest of D1 schools, but operating separately in terms of, you know, the rules and kind of how they run their departments. I mean, I, I, I think it's a good idea. And I think we've we've talked about this, I think, months ago about this idea that you're going to start to see a shift and a separation between the programs that can and will do this and those that don't. My initial take, your your last point, I think, is prescient because... There will. Th- this is the direction that we're going, regardless of what we think. There, there is going to be like a haves and have-nots, and I think the ultimate end goal of this will be semi-professional sports. We're already getting pretty close to that already, but seems like we're heading in that direction anyway with this. But I, I think I have a couple of problems, and I will just caveat these by saying his proposal, his overall letter, lacks a lot of details, so. I think the actual details of when this happens, what amount of money is being capped in these trusts, all that other stuff makes a pretty big difference in how I feel about it. But overall, I would say, one, it seems like a reaction to try to maintain some sort of status quo where athletes are not unionized, are not employees, which is something that a lot of schools just don't want to do. And I think that's ultimately where this is headed anyway. If you're going to have people paying money to athletes, they deserve rights, just like any yeah, any employee in any other job in the world deserves rights. So that's my take on it, is to try to avoid that kind of stuff while still ameliorating some of the stuff that you hear from Congress. They're getting a lot of pressure to deal with this kind of thing. So it's kind of a reaction to that. Two, I would say it's going to cap a lot of the earnings, like putting in trusts. Like It's great for... I, I think it's a great step for a lot of female athletes who don't get the same kind of money that you would get from a football player. 
uh, like a high profile football player. But at the same time, the players out there that are going to earn, let's just throw out a number and say like $40,000 off this. That is not what their market value is if they're at the upper echelon. So it's kind of a market suppression of the upper end. Now, you might say that's still a good thing. It's a good thing for uh, people at the lower end. But at the same time, I do have some concerns about that. that. Again, that's not how we function in American society anywhere else. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly worth talking about. And I, I hope to hear more about it. But those are my kind of initial concerns at seeing this kind of thing play out. Yeah, I mean, it's look, I think there's already such a divide between like you're seeing this this divide this this like chasm growing between the power 5 schools or like i guess now the power 4 whatever i mean even that is a perfect example right a, an entire conference seemingly overnight just disappeared mm-hmm. i think a lot of ways because of some of these changes because of the realignment stuff that that is not is not detached from nil and from athlete compensation and you know this there was a great i saw some commentary on this from uh john steinbrecher the conference the commissioner of the of the mac the mid-american conference and he said this just kind of defines that separation that already exists the power conference schools already separate themselves financially and provide greater benefits he said a lot of people are saying this is the precursor of the great breakaway of power conferences. His quote, I would suggest to you it's exactly the opposite. It's taking the pressure valve off. I think that's a great perspective. I think this is allowing for that to exist and, and sort of this acknowledgement within, you know, systematically and within the rules that, look, Ohio State is playing on a different playing field in so many ways than Akron, right? And that's just is what it is. And that's okay. But we need to find a way then, I think, for it to make sense where we can sort of stabilize things. And, and that's what I think this ultimately could do is provide an opportunity to stabilize where we don't just have the Wild West uh, of NIL where people kind of know what it is. Hey, here are these schools in this subdivision of, of Division One who I know if I go there, I'm going to get paid. And in addition to that, there may be some NIL opportunities. We're not saying that's going away. Right. I may also get some endorsements that are really great for me. But I know if I go play quarterback at Ohio State, I'm going to get paid. And if I go to Indiana, I might not. Because it doesn't have to be just Power Five conferences and not. Right. I mean, like, there are going to be schools within conferences that may not be able to do this or may not want to do it. So, you know, you may have differences there where you just understand when it comes down to it, like, what that looks like and it may not like you said like it doesn't just affect football and he was very specific like look compliance with title nine is going to be important here so like there's going to be some benefit for some other athletes as well i think overall good step but like you said i mean it was just a letter outlining a proposal it wasn't necessarily like a specific policy idea you know i mean I, i think idea probably yes but it was not the the nuts and bolts of how this would work and i'd be curious to see how that shakes out and unfortunately the NCAA is not an organization that I have a ton of faith in to work that out in a great way, but <laughs> who knows? You know, it's like when you go to college and you don't want to write that last term paper and you just keep putting it off, putting it off. And then suddenly it's like four in the morning and you're like, oh man, I've got five hours before class. That's kind of where the NCAA is with this. Like they have antitrust lawsuits that are going through the court system right now. And you've got Congress 
beating down their door, telling them that they need to fix it. And finally, we have a response to it and actually, you know, acknowledging that student athletes provide value to their schools beyond what they are getting just by the classroom and bagels without cream cheese. You know, it's, <laughs> it goes beyond that. One thing I found interesting, you know, some people were very supportive of this. Uh, Reggie Bush came out and said that paying athletes long overdue. I feel like, you know, that's the position he kind of has to take. But, you know, he's not <laughs> wrong. I agree with him. Not everybody, though, sees it that way. Some people are a little more skeptical, including one Rick Patino, head basketball coach of St. John's, who said, quote, so let me understand this latest proposal. Basically, low to mid-majors will now become like football's one double-A and no March Madness. Nice cast system. It would work well in India. Wow. Hmm. That's a take. <laughs> I don't know where to here, start with that. Here, here's where I want to start with that. Who let Rick Patino on Twitter? I don't know. I kind of feel like when you get to be as old as Rick Patino and you've kind of gone through the stuff that Rick Patino has in his career, you would probably want to stay off social media, but I guess he's just leaning into it. So that's the first thing. But yeah, it's kind of a I don't know. It's a not a politically savvy or politically correct way of voicing your concerns. I also just think it's inaccurate. I think that the no March Matt, like he thinks that they're not going to have access to postseason play anymore. I think it's also so much of this is going to be football driven, right? Like the decisions yeah, about making, you know, being opting into this would be based on that. So I think he's like the the basketball system, I think, is will probably not Look, necessarily be tied to this. People people lose their minds over this stuff and just overreact and get to this place of like, well, this is going to change everything and nothing's going to be ever good again. And it's like it has affected things for sure on the football side, especially you look at NIL, like has there been an impact? Sure. Not going to say it hasn't, but has it impacted as many, has it been as widespread as some people would make you believe? I don't think so. And I don't think that this would have as big an impact as at least not right away, right? Maybe gradually. And, you know, I think to compare it to <laughs> ancient India, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't even know if I want to touch that. Like, who told no. Rick Pitino about India? Like, that's <laughs> this is wild to to have that be your take. Like, there's got to be a staffer who could be like, "Ooh, let's not have said on that one yet." <laughs> let's maybe talk about that one a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Boy. know. Well, good for good for Rick Pitino to speak his mind. I guess. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Your boy, Bronco Mendenhall, targeted for the New Mexico job. Oh, I love that. I love that. Get him back in. Get his yeah. stern, reflective face back in those press conferences. That's in right. New Mexico. Man. He's got to, his... somebody's got to stop Jerry Kill. He's, he's forming a monster down there. Yeah. Although they couldn't stop Liberty. So what are, what use are they to me? <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, they there seem to be that's a that's a program they haven't. So I was reading about it; they haven't won more than four games since 2016. That's a tough job. I feel like New Mexico should be better at football. Maybe maybe just basketball. Yeah. I don't know why I think that. It's not like they have a particularly robust, but I just kind of feel like they should be good. 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe Bronco can get them there. Mm. The quote in the Full ESPN story, the way they describe it, it says, New Mexico looms as a vexing puzzle as there's little local recruiting base and resources are limited. But what's appealing to Mendenhall is the scope of the rebuild. So he likes a challenge. That, he is kind of a vexing puzzle, if you think about it. He's, yeah. He's like one of those... He's like Dr. House. He's just kind <laughs> of... Uh, I don't know. He gets bored once it's solved. Once they yeah. get bull eligible, he's out. He doesn't. He's, he's got to go he's tend not. to his horses. I love it. I love it. Well, good luck to uh, Bronco down there if he ends up getting that job. Yeah, I kind of was hoping that he would get a job that is, you know, a team that has Broncos. You know, like Boise State. Or that would be cool. Western Michigan, but yeah. Or Denver. <laughs> Go to Denver <laughs> Broncos. Let's do it. Dude. Take that, Sean Payton. What if he goes down to New Mexico and just changes their mascot to Broncos? <laughs> he is he is very big on like culture building, so he might yeah. come in and be like, "Guys, I know. Uh, listen, the Lobos have been around for a while, and that's fine. But to get to where we need to go, we got to be the Broncos. We got to be. We got to do it. <laughs> got to really be an extension of your coach." <laughs> oh man, I think if Caleb Williams should be able to demand ownership stake of a NFL team, why not Bronco? absolutely demanding anyway if you want to write into the show you can do so at preferred walk-ons at yahoo.com or you can follow us online on the internet with social media which is where those places are okay, instagram or at... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have not problematic takes on social media uh, at pwo pod you can see all of our very hilarious takes and get updates when new episodes come out so yeah follow us there bowl picks coming up next week 